Welcome to the Multipurpose Room, a podcast helping school organizations and school administrations achieve their goals. Each episode discusses real-life topics that PTAs, PTOs, and school staff are dealing with. Our hosts and guests offer practical tips, learnings, and best practices to achieve their desired outcomes. And here are your hosts, Wesley and Deborah Jones. We've spent the last several episodes, in fact, the last several months, talking about various fundraising events, fundraising ideas, how to enable your PTA and PTO to meet its fundraising budget. But what we haven't done a lot of is talk to the parent volunteers on the ground running those events. How are those events going? Is the virtual element challenging? What are some do's and don'ts? That's what we're going to talk about today. We have Sarah Franco with us. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Sarah recently ran a virtual trivia night, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, and so it's fresh in her mind, and she's going to share some of those details with us. Sarah, why don't we start with a bit about your background? Okay, so I am a mom of two in the Chicago suburbs. I spent about 10 years in the financial services industry. And then when my kids were born, I kind of switched gears. I bought a fitness franchise targeted toward moms and did that for about seven years. And my kiddos are a little bit older now, so I have sold that. And right now I'm just focusing on freelance sales and marketing and being a mom and trying to navigate everything 2020. I do a lot of volunteering with the school as well. So I'm currently serving as the VP of social events for our school's PTC. We all know that navigating the 2020 year is probably a full-time job in and of itself, but you're managing to squeeze those other things in. Have you planned before this year of being the social chair, have you planned in-person events before in the past? Yes, I did publicity for our biggest school fundraiser, sort of a holiday crafter bazaar with games and photos with Santa. There's a cafe. It's kind of a hodgepodge of things, but it's usually our biggest fundraiser at school. Unfortunately, that had to be done virtually as well this year. I had moved on to a different position, so I was not involved with that this year, but this was my first virtual event. So tell us about what was that event and what was the virtual format of it? Okay. So our school normally does a trivia night every year in the spring, and As the year got ramped up on our PTC, we started to realize that fundraising was going to be extremely difficult. And I had heard a few recommendations of a professional virtual trivia host, Hambones Trivia, and reached out to him. And he had so many great ideas that we just decided to go ahead with the virtual trivia in November versus the fall, like we would usually do it and just kind of went with it, making it up as we went along. You know, it's wonderful to see that everybody's kind of pivoting and kind of going to the new norm of whatever that is or wherever we're going to now. How did you go about promoting an event online? Well, I used quite a bit of social media. So our PTC has a Facebook page. So we created an event there. I shared that event quite a bit with my personal list. And I think from there, we're a pretty small community. And I think it kind of snowballed from there. Everyone kind of saw their friends saying RSVPing to that event. I shared it on my Instagram stories. 
it was in the school newsletters. And when we got closer to the event, I even just kind of went through my phone and just texted all of my other uh, friends and neighbors and asked them if they'd be willing to put a team together. And so it's just kind of a combination of all of those, but we really didn't normally, you can hang posters in the school or see, you know, actual reminders of the event. And we weren't able to do that this year. So it was definitely relying a lot on social media and word of mouth. And how did that go? Did it impact the turnout positively, negatively? I think it went well, as well as could be expected. I think we had around the same, we ended up having 20 groups of 10, so about 200 attendees, which is normally what we have in person. In person, we're usually more limited in terms of actual space for the event, but we ended up getting that same amount. I think towards the end, we were hustling for sure, just kind of like hitting up anyone we could, but we ended up with the same number so that it worked out okay. That's fantastic. How did you host the event? Like what technology was needed? Did you guys have to do a lot of preparation? It sounds like Cambone probably had most of that covered. Like what did you need to do in the technology part of that? He did a lot of it. He used a private YouTube channel for the event itself. So any communication between the host and the attendees was kind of done through the chat on this private YouTube channel. I think what got more complicated was the uptick in COVID cases. I think that the teams, there were teams of 10 and initially we had thought, you know, maybe they'd be able to get together with the rest of their team in person, even if it was just over a bonfire or something in someone's backyard. But as we got closer to the event, the cases kept rising and rising. So then each team kind of had to figure out how they would communicate with each other, whether they were on Zoom or Skype or FaceTime or whatever they were doing. So it was a little complicated, but I think 15 or so minutes into the event, I think everyone had a good handle on where they would be receiving their communications from their team and from the host. And from then on, it was kind of smooth sailing. So I think figuring out the technology is a big challenge for this year, right? When hosting these kinds of group events, especially the more interactive the event, I think the the more challenging it becomes. So what are some do's and don'ts? What, what did you learn through the private YouTube channel plus the micro <laughs> zooms, if you will? What can you share? Well, I think we did our best to really try and thoroughly explain how the event would take place. We did a lot of, you know, each person paid to attend the event, but then we also did a lot of extra fundraisers. So you could buy hints or you could take part in an optional bonus round that would give you more points for your team. We really thought we had done our best to explain that ahead of time, but it was kind of clear once everyone logged in that they didn't read the emails and were really not prepared. And so Our poor host, when we got on, was kind of repeating himself over and over and over again for about 20 minutes. The startup took a lot longer than we thought. We thought maybe 10, 15 minutes. It ended up being about 30 minutes getting everyone up to speed. So we were definitely scrambling behind the scenes, trying to make sure everyone had everything they needed. Anyone who wanted to purchase extras got everything they needed for those. We ended up making another maybe $2,000 on those extra fundraising items. So we didn't want to take those away, but that definitely made it more complicated to say the least. Do you think that having a 
almost like an intro section built in would have alleviated some of that back and forth? Or do you think that it's just natural and it's going to happen regardless of what you try and do? I think we would try that if we were to do it again. And we actually are hopefully planning on doing it again. But I think when it comes to those types of events, it was a Friday night. People were probably just doing their best to even get logged in by 7.15. So you're always going to have people who show up late. A lot of our friends were showing up late. They were the worst offenders, definitely, and texting us on the side and saying, what do we do? We just kept saying, just kind of listen to the host, follow along in the comments. So I think we could have eliminated some of it, but I think there were always going to be the stragglers a little bit that were hopping on late. Yeah, that's fair. I think people are trying to multitask a lot of things. And especially when you don't have to get out the door by a certain time, I feel like at least with myself, I try and fit in those like last three things because all I need to do is jump on the Zoom meeting and inevitably I miss the section of like what Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be doing, right? (laughs) Uh, people are probably tucking their kids into bed right. and then running. And was, you know, normally we hold this event in person. Yep. Yes. Oh, for sure. And normally we do this event in person. So if anyone hasn't paid yet or if they have any questions, you know, you're actually there in person and can answer their questions. So made it quite a bit more complicated. But in the end, we were just obviously super happy that we could still do it. Got a lot of great feedback and hit our fundraising goal. So worth it in the end, just doing it for the kids. That's great. How did you make sure that people were engaged and participating? I mean, it's a trivia night, so you need the audience to supply answers to the questions. How did you make sure that people didn't get shy and sit back for those first few questions, especially? The host actually did a great job. He had a Google sheet for the answer sheet, and each team captain was given that sheet. So thankfully, he did all of that for us. My co-host and I kind of were in the chat trying to like just drum up some competition or make comments. I changed my name to Ogden Trivia Master on my email so that it's just kind of an extra fun thing we could add. We were commenting to everyone in the chat and we decided to do sponsors for the event. So we, we had four sponsors, paid sponsors. All four were families um, whose kids go to our school that are local business owners. So we had them come in each round. There was one sponsor each round and they came in and did kind of a live ad read about their business. And I think that was special being able to see a parent from the school come in, talk about their business. And the host was really personable and tried to make things really fun. And by the end, people were commenting fairly inappropriate things in the chat. The host was, they were like razzing the host. So he did a really good job with that. I think having a good host who was able to engage with everyone was really helpful. You mentioned finding sponsors that were um, parents. Did you proactively reach out and ask for sponsorships or how did you find sponsors? I reached out to business owners that I knew of in the neighborhood. We kind of went by category, one restaurant owner, one mortgage broker, one real estate agent, one builder and contractor. Again, it's a pretty small community, so I know these people personally, but I did just kind of reach out to them, put together a little package for them where they were able to do their live ad read, their logo was on the screen throughout the event, and um, made it fairly inexpensive so that it you know, wasn't too much of an ask. 
and and the host again did a really great job about making them stand out during the event what was the best moment of the event the chat got pretty silly toward the end but again seeing our sponsors kind of stand out for a little while was nice And then frankly, at the end of the event, we got so many text messages and emails thanking us for putting it together. I had people kind of like stop me on the street for the next week saying how much they really enjoyed it and would love to do it again. So that was great. I mean, I think everyone knows it was kind of a make it work event and it wasn't going to be perfect. But even though there were a couple glitches, I think, you know, having that feedback and everyone enjoying having something to do on a Friday night in November in Chicago. (laughs) That was worth it. Great that the feedback was so good. Um, That's, I mean, a testament to the effort that you guys put in and planning it. Yeah, it was fun. What was the most challenging moment? Well, just the first 15 to 30 minutes kind of getting everyone up to speed Luckily, I had a co-chair and she and I were furiously typing in the chat and getting everything sent out. That was that was a little stressful. But um, once we were through that part, it was kind of smooth sailing from there. And did you before the event, did you all pick a goal or fundraising dollar? And if so, did you meet that fundraising goal? We did meet the fundraising goal. Our treasurers had kind of picked a fundraising goal for us, but they had even said, you know, we have no idea what to expect with this. So we had a goal initially. um, We want to just make sure that we made the money back um, from paying the host and a couple of the prizes that we purchased. But since we were able to add those sponsors and do some of the extra fundraising options throughout the event, um, we ended up making about $5,000 after everything. And our goal was 5,000. So That's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. What made you decide to pick a host from a company versus, you know, I've seen some schools just have one of their PTA leaders or some other school member host the event? I think, you know, this is usually a pretty big event for our school and people get really competitive. And I knew there would be high expectations for it. Um, I had asked around in some Facebook moms groups that I'm in and a a few people had recommended this company. And I think I wanted to know that the event would go well without any huge snags. And frankly, this company, Hambone, he gave us such a great rate because we're a school. And I think the fact that it was done so professionally, made it so that people would want to do it again. And the questions were really good. I I think having to do it virtually would have been hard, just trying to figure all of those logistics out on our own. For those people who don't know, we had Matt Hambone, or Matt of Hambone's (laughs) Trivia, I should say, on our podcast. And he gave some great tips for how to interview a host if you are looking for a host, as well as Mm -hmm. we had a nice discussion about well-phrased trivia questions and sort of the Goldilocks principle of not having them too hard, not having them too easy and being right there in the middle. So it sounds like he was able to execute on that and also really got your audience engaged. He did. 
I think when I did the initial interview with him, that was what kind of sold us on even just doing the event, but sold us on using him. One of the big things for me was that he had a lot of really creative ideas to help raise more money than just what people were paying to attend the event. He had tons of ideas on how to get sponsors and how to raise extra money. And that was really helpful to us as well. So any other schools that are planning on doing this, do you have kind of a a must do some tips, some guidelines of things that you didn't think about before, but you want to recommend that schools consider when planning a trivia night? Yeah, I think. And in fact, I've had a couple local schools reach out to me after the event. I think one of my challenges was to promote the event but no one really understood how the event was going to take place. We kept saying virtual trivia night. So as we were promoting, I kind of pivoted and started doing an FAQ. So here's how this will work. Because I think as the COVID cases were ramping up, everyone started getting more worried about getting together in person with their team. So we had to kind of pivot and say, no, you don't have to be in person with your team. So kind of helping people to understand how it would work from the beginning probably would have been helpful. And again, making an effort to, before the event, just kind of asking everyone to read through their email, sign in maybe 15 minutes early. We did ask them to sign in 15 minutes early, so maybe 30 minutes early, just to make sure they were in there in time. And then just kind of being there to ask them just to kind of Stay calm. Listen to the host. He's going to let you know what you need to do. Don't panic. So I would, that's what I would definitely recommend. What about any of the don'ts? Is there any hurdles or hiccups that you guys had that you're like, oh, if we did a second one two weeks later, we'd do it a little bit different and this is how we do it? The extra fundraising options that we had where you could buy the hints or participate in one of the bonus rounds, we did sell those ahead of time. I think if we were to do it again, I would push harder ahead of time to sell those ahead of time because that was quite a bit of scrambling for my co-chair and I trying to get them. They were commenting on the chat and all sorts of people were commenting, not necessarily the team captains. So we're trying to figure out who's on what team and what they wanted, email them or text them the link that they need and email them the link to pay. And so if we were to do it again, I would try my hardest to make sure that's done ahead of time. And now that we've done the event, I think people understand how it works and would probably be more on top of that, you know, on the player's end as well. So in 2020, you've probably had the opportunity to attend a lot of virtual events. What has been the best one you've attended and why? Well, of course, I would say the trivia one was the best, but I'm also on the planning committee for a local nonprofit And they did a virtual concert as a fundraiser this summer. So they had four or five local bands who thankfully volunteered their time, were in a local studio, but all socially distanced. And they played in a local studio and it was a free event. But, you know, each after each band would play, the hosts would come on screen and talk about the nonprofit. It's, um, a nonprofit that raises funds for pediatric brain tumor research. And they would come on, ask for donations kind of between each band. And it was really nice. We put up a projector in our garage and kind of, you know, we're outside with a few friends. And 
it was just something I had never thought I would enjoy, but it was just really great having these local bands and they participated for free and they ended up raising, I think a hundred thousand dollars with this virtual concert, which was pretty crazy, but it was just nice to be outside, have a few friends over socially distancing, listening to music and raising money for kids. That's really an impressive number to hit. I know (laughs) it really was. I think there's been so much creativity in this year and all of these different events. I've attended a museum tour with my kids put on by Microsoft and an organization called Black Girls Code. And it was fantastic. We actually got to go in and self-guide tour the museum and walk through and zoom into exhibits. And it was just incredible how interactive it was and how they were able to replicate actually walking through the museum. It wasn't the host who was guiding us. We could go kind of on our own and they worked in a scavenger hunt so that the kids would have to find certain things on each exhibit and then answer in the chat and the first one to answer would win prizes. And I just thought it was so well done. And it's an opportunity for teachers, I think, to do something similar Or even as a fundraiser, Mm -hmm. you could see how you could get kids involved and use the scavenger hunt as a fundraising opportunity. Mm -hmm. But that was definitely my favorite virtual event of 2020 because I just thought it replicated the in-person experience so well and added that extra fun. That sounds so cool. I'm just always impressed with everyone's creativity and how they find a way to keep pushing forward with their businesses or their organizations and finding ways to make everything virtual. It's very impressive. Agreed. Well, we appreciate your time here today. I think that you gave us some great tips about relying and partnering with the host of the event to help with the technology. It sounds like Hambones Trivia did a great job on that here. Getting the word out on social media and hustling, making those personal asks can really go a long way. I mean, having 200 people at your event is a testament to that. Maybe building in a Q&A at the outset to go through some of those logistics because the logistics are something that people won't be familiar with. Logging in 30 minutes for that Q&A, um, logging in 30 <laughs> minutes early, I should say, for that, that Q&A is something that may also be a consideration for others planning an event. And then having an FAQ even before the event, explaining how it will work helps for things to go smoothly, helps for people to get their minds wrapped around it, and can even help to have people purchase those extras early and get all those logistics out so that the event is really about having fun. 100%. I love the Q&A idea. (laughs) Hopefully I can use that next time. I think we will be too. (laughs) Well, thank you again for your time. And we hope your next virtual event goes just as well. Make sure to visit our website at themultipurposeroom.school and subscribe to this show. If you like the topics on the show, we share additional resources on our company blog at k12clothing.com and click on blog. Thanks to Squad Locker for making this show possible. And we'll see you next week in the multipurpose room.